Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Hey wrestling fans, this is Gary Michael Capetta, and you're listening to the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast with the Enforcer and the Stallion. It's the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. With the Enforcer. I believe they're called Enforcers, Gordon. I sell women's shoes. And the Stallion. Stallion, baby! I am not what you would call a handsome man. I'll kick you in the nuts and you'll smile at me and like it. All night! Welcome everyone to another episode of the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. It is Wednesday, November 11th, and uh, we have a very special guest on this week uh, joining us to talk about AEW Full Gear. It is world-renowned author and blogger Scott Keith. Keith, Scott, how are you today? I'm doing good, thanks, Joe. How are you guys doing up there? We're uh, we're doing okay. I heard there was uh, some snowfall up in your area recently. Is that true? Yeah, I'm, I've been digging myself out here for the for the past couple of days. I think we're at 37 feet now. I'm not quite sure. No. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe only 35. I don't know. I don't want to exaggerate anything like that. But you know, it's uh, it's been pretty cold here. <laughs> Gosh, that's that's brutal. Yeah, I mean. Uh... I guess everyone's kind of inside anyway, a lot with the pandemic going on. But uh, you know what? It's more time to watch wrestling and and talk wrestling, right? So nothing. That's nothing true. Wrong yeah. With that. So, so this past weekend we had AEW's Full Gear pay per view. Um, I think there's eight matches on the main card and a pre show match, and we obviously we know everyone can find your reviews over at blogofdoom.com, um, as well as a lot of other cool articles. And I know you answer some questions every day, and it's just really a great a great resource for. All sorts of wrestling knowledge and interesting stuff. I've probably learned like 75% of my wrestling knowledge from from you and the different sites you've worked on over the years. So it's a great place for people to check out. Um, and as far as full gear goes, the, the pre-show match, uh, which I know wasn't part of the rant that you did, but the Serena D versus Allison K match. And I guess I just wanted to get your perspective on not just the match itself, but just the what I feel like is a little bit of a convoluted um, NWA women's title situation where we have Serena Deeb, who's contracted to AEW, defending the NWA women's title against Allison Kay, who recently left the, left the NWA. I'm probably miss, missing this all up. And so it's, to me, it's, <laughs> it's just a little confusing. I'm sure the match itself was fine, but like, wh- what do you make of this whole NWA 
you know, AEW type, I guess, arrangement that they may have going on here. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really weird situation, isn't it? Like, and like, who knows what Thunder Rosa's got going on now too? When she was she was really closely associated with the NWA, and now she's like putting sharpie markers on her ass and figuring out her options from there. Apparently, but like, yeah, it's. I mean, there's there's a lot of good talent that the NWA had that they can they can bring over, especially on the the, the women's side there. Um, I'm assuming that Allison K must be getting ready to sign with AEW if they're putting in her kind of in a semi-featured role like that. But like I, I still don't know what Billy Corgan even has going on as far as the future of the NWA is. I mean, like he's putting out all these tweets about how you know he's determined to keep it going and exploring options and and that kind of thing. But at the same time, he's releasing all of his talent to go elsewhere. So it's kind of a weird mixed message that's that's kind of happening from there. So yeah, it's. Uh, very, very much up in the air at, at the moment here. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's good for these women, especially like Serena Deeb, who definitely deserves another shot at, uh, you know, making making a name for herself in the big time, I think. And I think she'll, she's done pretty well with it uh, so far. Um, definitely like Allison Kay and Thunder Rosa both deserve a, a shot at it too. So I hope, hope for the best for them. But uh, yeah, like yourself, I... I have no understanding of what the deal is or what anybody hopes to gain out of it from the NWA side. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that's that's what for me too. Just that whole even we saw recently. I think James Storm um, had left, and I saw he appeared on Impact or something last night. Not that I watch Impact, but I just I heard about that. I think he dropped the NWA tag titles recently. So um, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with the NWA, but I, I guess any sort of exposure they can get on weekly television is is probably a good thing for them for whenever they may decide to. Uh, to return so um but the the opener proper for the the main card pay-per-view was the finals of the world title eliminator tournament with omega and hangman page right so everyone knows who follows the the backstory here they used to be a tag team there's been kind of subtle teases along the way over the course of the year about you know whether it's going to be omega or page who turns on the other and it seems like it's omega more lately um I feel like this match was maybe the first in what will probably be matches, more matches of them in the future. Um, I saw you went, I think, about three and a half stars on it for the opener. It seemed like it was worked at a pretty quick pace. Um, what did you take away from this as far as just like the result and, and you know what what will go on from here between these guys and the elite? Uh, I definitely feel like I underrated it. Um, I think I think actually it's more, more viably, having watched it again, I think I was more like a four and a quarter is where I'm, I was sitting at. It really was a hell of a match. Um, it's, I don't know. I think, I think it was the expectations might've been even so high for it that I kind of underrated it as a result of that. But yeah, they, they put on a hell of a match and, uh, yeah, I think, I, I think we're, they're, they're definitely playing the long game now with this thing. I mean, I think it is ultimately going to lead to Kenny winning the title and then eventually uh, hangman does get it and they, they reconcile, but, um, they're, they're doing a, a great job of making the fans really want to see it. Uh, like before, when they were a tag team, they were kind of thrown together as a tag team. And, you know, people were, were like, oh, well, you're not your pair of singles wrestlers as a tag team. And now that they've done the split, now that you get the kind of the opposite reaction from the fan base, which is what they wanted all along, which is basically saying, you know, that the fans really want to see these two get back together as a tag team again. And, and you know, they want to see them succeed and the elite get together as baby faces. Uh, so it's it's been really effective in that regard. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that they're doing it kind of as a, as a long-term storyline rather than just, you know, throwing it out and, and blowing it off in one shot. And I mean, really it was the right result. Like 
Hangman Page is currently in the down phase of his uh, his character arc right now. You know, he's he has to lose the big match so that he can hit rock bottom and then pull himself up and start winning and eventually, like I say, pay it off and get the big big win over Kenny so that they can get back together again. And it's you might people might say it's a tad predictable, but that's totally fine because that's how wrestling works is give the people what they want in the end. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm obviously long term storytelling is not something that we always get uh, these days and some of the other promotions. And I think uh, it's definitely very interesting to follow and and the story arc and and how it'll play out from here. There's a lot of different directions they can go. Do do you think Omega is going to be the guy to take the title off of Moxley next? Uh, Yeah, I think the the next show isn't until like February as far as pay-per-view goes. Uh, I don't know if they, they, they move it before them, but I, I really think that, yeah, I think it's time to, well, well, I guess we'll discuss when we get to the end of the show, but yeah, I think yeah. it's time to, to, to move it off of uh, Moxley. Um, he's, he's done some great stuff, and actually, I, Alfred, I, for Inside the Ropes magazine, I actually voted for him uh, for Top Wrestler of the Year, in fact, for the, the, the awards that they're doing on there. But even so, he's, he's had a great year, but uh, it's come to the point where he's been doing the same main event kind of over and over again, and uh, Omega's long overdue for a shot at the, the top spot in the company i think for that it's, it's time to put him in there and see if he can run with it yep yeah i totally agree and like you said we'll get a little bit more into that when we get to the uh moxley kingston match here at the end um the next match on the card was was john silver versus orange cassidy and uh the first i guess real big singles opportunity for john silver in aew uh cassidy coming off the feud with jericho and i guess what, what amounted to a, a push for him as a singles on television um the match itself, I know you went three and a quarter star. I mean, I think these guys have, have worked together before on the indies. What's your sense of how the overall push for Orange Cassidy went? Like, you know, obviously he won two out of three from Jericho, but then I think he lost a couple of matches on TV for the TNT championship. Um, do you feel like his push has been effective or have they kind of maybe cut his legs off a little bit? Or I, I guess I'm not really sure. Like I, watching it, I'm not sure. Like I kind of feel like, having him beat Jericho to then lose a few matches on TV, and maybe this was a way to try to heat him back up again. But I don't know. What's your thoughts on, on his current status? Yeah, I think it's it's too much orange, honestly. Like, he's he's a character right now who's better served being out of the ring, uh, just, you know, hanging out with the best friends. And uh, it's they're, they're just, uh, I don't know, they, they kind of overexposed it. Uh, it's the, the main problem, of course, right now is that there's no crowds, and it's a character that doesn't really work the best when there isn't a crowd to support it. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the thing. If, if you just put him in there as a regular wrestler, he doesn't really work great as a character, as a regular wrestler. You know, he's not he's not like a top-level wrestler, so it's kind of a hard position. So he just kind of comes off as a mid-carder in those kinds of situations. So it's uh, I definitely it's the thing where, where less is more. Um, that being said, it was a really good match. I, I really enjoyed it against John Silver, and John Silver is uh, just uh, kind of overachieving right now, I think, in the position that he's been in. Like, he was... Uh, a jobber who is a you know very underneath guy and put in a comedy role in the Dark Order and he's he's been hitting out of the park and uh, there's been lots of anecdotes about people who were there live at the shows in Jacksonville who basically say that you know if there was a full crowd that John Silver would just be like crazy over right now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he definitely has like carved himself out. Like I know him and Alex Reynolds have had a team you know over the years and they started out as a team obviously here in AEW and. Uh, but Silver seems like he has a lot of personality. Um, not that Reynolds doesn't, but Silver seems to stand out, I guess, in terms of that team and 
you know, they can probably do something with him. I don't know if they'll do something with him and Brody. You know, Lee, they seem to kind of been teasing maybe some, you know, Brody kind of bullying him around a little bit. So maybe they'll feature him a little bit more on TV if he's, especially if he's getting over with the live crowd. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, apparently he's all over being the elite, uh, doing some stuff with the, the Dark Order there that's really effective. Um, which is like, which reminds me there was a, somebody was joking on Twitter about the, about the being elite thing after they announced the video game, which is like, uh, you know, you can, you can play as the young bucks, but to get the full storyline, you have to go out and play an entirely unrelated video game to the first one. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, that's like, like, that's kind of like what it feels like with being the elite though, right? Like where they, they do all this stuff to do all this character work with guys like John Silver, and then you never see any of it. So it's kind of a, it's an odd choice in their part. I mean, it's something that one of the main things that people have kind of complained about they eat up from the start, which is assuming everybody is watching all of the stuff on YouTube and, and Twitter and all the case. And that is definitely not the case because I, I can't sit through three hours of AEW dark every week. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm totally with you. I mean, my, my co-host Mikey, he, he likes, he loves dark and he'll watch it every week, but I, I've tried it a couple of times and I, as much as I enjoy AEW, it's like you said, two to three hours or 15 matches of mostly squashes. Um, you know, so if they do some character development there and like you said, being the elite, you know, I, I don't know if it would hurt them to maybe show some clips from being the elite on Dynamite or something. Maybe if even if you're going to try to promote it in such a way where people need to go watch it, like maybe show like a minute or two or something on Dynamite each week. I don't know. Oh like, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's that's the thing that's always mystified me with it is like they they have all this stuff on it and they, you just you never see about it on the main show. It's just it's such a weird creative decision in a lot of ways. Yeah, so yeah, it's very interesting to me. It's something that they and like like you said, I've heard that elsewhere as well, where people are kind of like, you, know, you gotta somehow marry the two so that your regular viewers on TV can catch all that stuff. So, um, yeah. But I guess we'll we'll see if they make that that adjustment in year two of uh, of Dynamite. But um, yeah, exactly. Speaking of stuff, the, you know, the TNT Championship now, Cody Cody Rhodes defending against uh, Darby <laughs> Allen, and uh, you know, I think. The long term on this, right, was like they and they played it up in the video package of Darby kind of coming close to beating Cody in previous matches. So yeah, I do think that it made sense, right, to put the title on Darby here. At least I, I felt that way, and I was happy to see. Oh yeah, for sure. To see Darby win um, the match, I think it looked like you you enjoyed it as a, a four star match. I know sometimes Cody matches can either be kind of really good with yeah. their storytelling, and sometimes they could be a little bland. But this one it seemed like fell more on the side of good storytelling and it got a good pop from the fans at the end oh yeah for sure uh yeah darby allen he he was put in, in a position where he had to bring in big time and he, and he did like uh you know cody is nicknamed the three-star general that which is something that he even brought up himself right but uh yeah no i they they did a hell of a job i thought uh with that match it was it was into it and, and I, I really like the finish too like they're exchanging cradles like they do in the you know usually get the the guys trade roll-ups and it's just for a couple of near falls, but in this case that it ended the match. It was a nice surprise and, and, you know, just a, a good way to, to kick off the title. Reign. And, and I really like, you know, Cody, Cody made sure to, even though he was kind of playing heel through the match, you know, he, he gave Darby the belt and it put him over big time afterwards. So good on Cody and, and good on both of them. Yeah, for sure. And if, you know, it, like you said, Cody kind of stayed, on the babyface side after the match when, uh, you know, Taz and his stable with uh, Brian Cage and Ricky Starks came out. And then uh, I thought it was good to see, I know they've been also trying to feature or play up the storyline with Will Hobbs as well. And if, if he's going to accept the invite from team Taz and uh, it was good to see him make an appearance at the end, I think to save, to save Darby. I, I, I like to see them promote, you know, newer guys that maybe, you know, not just right guys that people have seen on 
WWE or, you know, for like Will Hobbs to me is someone I didn't really know much about him until I saw him on AEW. So he's kind of like, a, you know, seeing him from the very beginning um, and evolve a little bit more. I think it's kind of cool to see somebody like him get featured on television a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, that's the thing is it's, they, they had success with, uh, you know, featuring somebody like John Moxley from WWE because he was already a world champion and he's still a guy in his prime, but yeah, they can't fall into the trap of, you know, bringing in all the, you know, the, the loser guys like your Matt Cordona's on a regular basis and making them into the featured players of, of the show, because then you're just going to turn into, you know, uh, AEW impact basically. Right. And, uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, like yeah. what's Rusev doing in the impact zone? You know, yeah. Kind of thing, right? <laughs> the TNA playbook, I guess. Yeah. We don't want to, exactly. we don't want to get into that. So <laughs> don't want, don't want too many plays out of that. One. That's right. No. <laughs> so the, the AEW, Women's title match, Hikaru Shida and Nyla Rose. I, I don't really know. Um, I got myself kind of confused about this match too because I thought they were building to a rematch between Shida and Thunder Rosa. And I don't know if that just kind of changed course or maybe that was never the intent all along. But this match kind of seemed to get put together maybe in the last like two or three weeks before the pay-per-view. I didn't think there was a lot of build. It was more just based off of their past match or matches. Um I didn't. Th- I mean, I know you gave the, you gave the match two stars. I, I think that this match was not as good as the last pay per view one that they had for sure, right? Yeah, no, definitely not. It was it, it dragged a little bit. Uh, Cody was a little bit defensive about it on Twitter with, with the build up, where people criticized the you know the pretty pretty sparse build for it, and he was like, "Oh, they don't you know they they don't all have to be Shakespeare." And but I don't know. It was it just there just wasn't very much to it. Um, I think I think really we're just all waiting for Dr. Britt Baker to get that title now. At this point, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't put it on her already because she's clearly the biggest star of the division. But I don't know if it has to do with them waiting to find out, you know, what's what's going on with their various NWA women and and seeing who shakes down and signs a contract and where everything lands there or, or, or what's about it. But I know, yeah, it was it was a weird one. I mean, we've already seen the match before. Um, it was it was too long. I thought they missed the the peak of the finish by a couple of minutes, uh, especially when she had hit her with the uh, the falcon arrow off the middle rope there, and then went to to give her the big knee to finish it. It's like, well, that that should have been the ending, but then you know Vicky got involved and it kept going for a little longer, and it's just eh, I just I just felt like yeah, you know, I've seen it. It's time to wrap it up. Yeah, and completely agree with you on Britt Baker as well. I mean, she's been. Probably, I mean, I think the most entertaining uh, women's wrestler on AEW, from my point of view, and uh, you know, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, the the video game release yesterday or the the event, you know, she was there, right? She was there representing them as someone as like a face of the company, along with Cody and Kenny, and you know, I think she seems to be the right person to put it on. So maybe that's the direction we're finally gonna gonna get to, uh, hopefully coming up here on you know the future weeks of Dynamite. But uh, speaking of match builds that not everybody seem to enjoy um the young bucks and ftr uh, had their uh, their long-awaited long-awaited match for the uh aew tag team championships and the match was great i know you gave it four and three quarter stars the match i thought was awesome and we'll talk about the the finish and the story and all that stuff too um but i think you know the build to it was a little bit strange i know a lot of people were commenting about how the bucks were like kind of heels for a month and then i'm not sure if they were like I don't know if they. I guess they're baby faces still, but it was kind of confusing. And then they, then they really, they, the last two weeks, they made the match about Matt Jackson's knee um, and you know his leg injury, and I think that really plays obviously into FTR's style and everything like that. But I guess the the, the build up itself on television. How did you feel about about that? Like how the Young Bucks are portrayed, and 
you know, how that was all kind of, uh, you know, shown on television leading into this heavily anticipated match. Yeah, it was really weird that I, I didn't understand the buildup at all, honestly. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know if they were supposed to be, you know, heels or baby faces, you know, and all, and all the stuff with the super kicking Tony Schiavone was total, it was set up to be a total heel move, but you know, and then, and then last week they suddenly shifted back to putting sympathy on the young bucks again. So it was, I don't know, it was, it was a very confusing thing, but I mean, the match was awesome, so it was hard to fault it too much in the end, really. And now they're, they're solidly babyface again. So, I mean, as long as we know where we're going from here, I guess that's the important thing. But, uh, yeah, I think I think I might have even underrated that one a little bit. I'm, I'm pretty sure I probably should have given that one full five stars. Honestly, I mean, that was just... It was just an amazing piece of tag team business. Like, the, the, the point in the middle where they were hitting all the classic tag team finishers on each other and yeah. that kind of stuff. I mean, God, it's like it was just like a love letter to... To tag team wrestling, whereas you know WWE has the tag team champions come out and literally swap belts on an episode of the show, and nobody cares, right? So like... <laughs> oh god, that's yeah, that's awful. That is that is tough. In comparison for this match, which I like, you said was was just great from start to finish, compared to the the Bucks versus Kenny and and Hangman from earlier in the year. I know it's it's hard to you know, there's different teams, it's hard to compare. But did you have one that you really liked better than the other? Uh, yeah, I still like I still like the one with with Bucks and against Hangman and Kenny. There was just uh, some sequences in there where just like the Bucks managed to turn themselves heel during the course of the match, and I was I was literally jumping off the couch and like and like yelling and, and you know at the Bucks because they're just being such assholes. And you know when when they finally got their comeuppance at the end, it was tremendous. I thought so. Um, that the the FTR match didn't quite have the same emotional investment that it had in the the uh, the previous one with Hangman at. Uh, yeah, it was it was still an amazing match. I thought. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. the 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 storyline, I think, for the first one was better than this one, and that probably gives it gives it the advantage um, overall. But um, so the the elite deletion match, which is, you know, of course, everyone's favorite cinematic wrestling. That's all the rage uh, in twenty twenty. Uh, Matt Hardy all and Sammy Guevara. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah. the kids are talking about it. Um, all the kids are talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> now the, this match again, it's it's a mix of different things. There's there's you know comedy spots there's you know kind of serious spots they played off some of the injuries that matt had i I guess my thing just going into the match was i expected even though it's it's a cinematic thing and it was at the hardy compound and all that i I was still expecting sammy to to win just because i feel like the whole goal of this program is should be to get sammy guevara elevated and kind of make him more of a serious threat on television And, and matt won the last match where he ended up getting the concussion uh, I think putting Sammy through a table and whatever ended up happening there. So, were you surprised to see Matt win here? I, I mean, I, in reviews that previews that I saw, some people were still picking Matt. I guess just because it was a uh, you know his kind of his style of the you know the elite deletion, all the other things that he's done over the years. Were you surprised that Matt got the victory in this match? No, not really. I mean, it, it did make sense because um, Matt, you know, took the chair off the face and everything. So, I mean, that's it, that, it was more about building to him getting his revenge. Uh, against Sammy, I thought um, the other, this. This I thought this was uh, one of the instances where somebody losing kind of helps them out towards the end goal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's obvious based on the last episode of Dynamite, for example, that Sammy Guevara is going to be a friggin' amazing top level babyface at some point, probably pretty soon now. Uh, so I think I think something like this, it, it you know, it helps put sympathy on him, and it's also going to by you know, dynamite doesn't start until you know another hour half now. But I think um, we might 
we, we might possibly see uh, some blowback from the inner circle against Sammy for for losing the match, and that might again start to to build towards the babyface turn that has to be coming soon because yeah, Sammy is just Sammy's just an amazing babyface with the the moves that he does, and uh, I, I think this is I think that's what they're shooting for with the 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 elite deletion match, honestly, and uh, I think I, I think it was pretty effective for that. Um, I couldn't even give it a rating honestly because I I don't know I I got what I needed out of it. Uh, to be honest, I mean, you know, you know, me and my opinions of cinematic wrestling are not the best these days. But I thought it was, I thought it was a uh, a fun match that got really dark at the end, uh, surprisingly dark, I have to say. Considering where they went with it, and uh, I was uh, it was enjoyable enough for me. But uh, yeah, I think I think that is the lesson here at the end, though, is that Sammy Guevara is bound for really great things. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's some of the stuff that he's capable of doing that he showed last week on tv in the tag match and just you know and other, and other stuff he's uh I, I mean it seems like that's the direction that they're going to go and i guess speaking of the inner circle you know the chris jericho and mjf match which um you know i guess again this is another one of those matches where people were a little divided on the build-up to it i think you know i guess more specifically about the dinner debonair right that's that i think that was a little bit more the the most polarizing portion of the uh of the build-up but um ultimately this match where if MJF won, he would get to join the inner circle, which he ended up he ended up winning, um, and now he'll be a part of that. I, you know, you wonder like there's a lot of different possibilities there. If it's going to be maybe Jericho and Sammy split off into baby faces, and you know who aligns with who. Um, the match itself between MJF and Jericho, I know you went you know two stars. It was like about a little over 16 minutes long. Um, yeah. You know, heel versus heel match, right? Uh, crowd probably a little bit worn out from some of the earlier matches. Did that play a role, kind of, into the the rating? I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into Jericho's age too much. I know he's just turned fifty, so some, I think his matches are a little slower paced now as well. So I don't know if it's a combination of all those things that kind of, you know, leads yeah, it to kind so. of being. Yep. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think the, I think the elite deletion kind of burned out the crowd a little bit as well. Uh, it was a tough one to follow because it was all this wild, wild and crazy stuff happening, and you know, the deletion match, and then kind of had to follow it with uh, a more character based thing. And I mean, it's. It's not necessarily that's bad. It's another one where it went a little bit long for me. Um, it's hard. It's hard to. Call. I wouldn't say it's a bad match. Like I could technically see what Jericho was trying to do out there, but you know, like I say, he's fifty years old now. It's just there's only so much that he can do now at this point, and it's really hard for him to continue wrestling that kind of style of match with somebody like you. You could see that MGF had to, you know, visibly slow down his own style in order to let Jericho keep up with him. Sort of thing but you know jericho is another one obviously where he's he's gonna turn soon and you know because people desperately want to cheer for him and sing along with his song mm-hmm. and everything like that and this that was kind of a way to do it and you know i can't i mean the finish of the match was awesome i thought you know the i thought it was hilarious like you know they're they're trying to out heal each other and uh, mjf ended up winning that particular battle because he's the younger and smarter heel jericho is and you know that's obviously another reason why jericho will probably turn in pretty soon yeah, that's true. I mean, I th- there was a point, I think, just before this feud started, or maybe the beginning of it, where Jericho and uh, Jake Hager were, you know, t- they became a tag team, and they were going to go after the tag titles, and I guess maybe that kind of got put on the, the shelf for for this feud. I don't know if they'll go back to that, but, you know, Jericho in a role like that, or even if they'll have him team with Sammy in the future, I think, is which they've done in the past as well, is, is not a bad role for him, um, especially if he's going to be a, a babyface. Um, how quickly do you think... They'll turn the trick. They'll pull the trigger on, you know, MJF kind of taking control. Like, do you think that's going to be something that happens like 
tonight on Dynamite, or they're gonna you know spread that out over the next couple of months and do like a slow build to you know eventually the inner circle kind of splitting. Oh yeah, no, that's that's definitely gonna be a slow build one. Uh, they still have you know weeks and weeks of comedy that they can mine from from MJF and Wardlow infiltrating the group and you know sowing the descent from within with you know the guys like guys like Santana and Ortiz and uh, yeah they've got there, there's a lot of lot of material that they can be mined out of that one too and that's another one too where you know we we know where everybody wants it to go is you know jericho leaving the group and turning babyface so the fans can cheer him right and you gotta you gotta build up to him to to do it first you know you can't, can't just vince russo this and and do it in week one right like we know where it's going but that's okay because that's that's good destination um although the the yeah the whole the whole thing with Jericho and Hager's team suddenly disappearing was kind of a weird one, but I don't know. Maybe that had something to do with Hager suddenly getting the fight for for Bellator out of nowhere, mm-hmm. possibly. But yeah, that was that was kind of an odd change of direction for them as well. I thought. Um, I mean, I, I really, I actually, I thought that the it was really soon to be even going to the Jericho MGF match in the first place. Like, you know, I thought they would still be in the in the the phase of you know doing the things like the dinner debonair. And and that sort of thing before jumping right to the match and and having it happen there because there's all kinds of other ways that they could have things that they could have done to stretch it out before they even got there like it was everything was still working they didn't really need to get there right away but you know they did and that's great and I'm sure they have a plan for it yeah I, I was I felt the same way I think it was actually like the week after they did the dinner debonair where they announced that like okay by the way we're gonna face each other at the pay per view and then if you win you're in it was they it kind of took a different turn where I thought maybe they would do a match maybe something along the lines of the tag match they did on dynamite where you can see the interaction of mjf with the inner circle and then eventually build up to it later but like you said they i guess they're going where they want to go with it we know what the end game's going to be and it'll be you know it should be great uh when it happens so um we'll look for that to play out on dynamite and um then the, we get the main event of course which is john moxley versus eddie kingston in an i quit match for the AEW world title um Eddie Kingston is, again, everyone's kind of saying the same thing, so I'm not going to probably say anything that's groundbreaking here, right? People who follow <laughs> indie wrestling and know who Eddie Kingston is and the type of performer that he is. You know, he worked in Chikara, he worked in Evolve and all these other places. I think he had some time in TNA and um, in ROH. So he's really worked almost, almost everywhere except for, I guess, you know, mainstream WWE. And um, and now, now finally he's on AEW, and he's a great promo. Um, he's – this match – like you're saying, it's a, it's a John Moxley type match, right? It, there was brawling, there were weapons, there was violence, um, but there also was an emotional storyline invested in it because of their history. Um, and you know, Eddie passing out to the bulldog choke in their previous match, so they made it an I quit match. Um, I know you went three and a half stars on the match itself. Did you feel like it was, you know, um, you know, I, I guess you, it's a, a typical Moxley type, you know, brawl type match. There wasn't really much, I guess, in terms of innovative spots, really, in the match itself. Stuff that we've seen before, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you know, you, you know, we we know all the beats, right? Like you know, he's. I, I will say it was worked a lot differently than uh, a lot of I quit matches. Like there was no microphone involved and no no stopping to ask the guy, you know, do you quit and all that kind of stuff, right? They just went out and they had the they had the fight and the barbed wire got involved. But you know, it's like you know, at a certain point, the thumbtacks are going to get involved there and. You know, the porn rubbing alcohol, that was certainly a, a different twist. We haven't seen that before, so I'll, I will say that was that was super innovative. But, I mean, like, you know, it's we knew how it was going to end. We, it, it was going to end with, with you know, putting back in the choke, and probably the barbed wire was going to be involved in this case because it, it was the sick finish and everything like that. So I, I, I didn't dislike the match, like I said. I thought, I thought it was good. I thought it was a typical 
Moxley match. I would like to see Moxley doing kind of branching out and doing more different stuff, uh, which I think is kind of the point of the Kenny Omega feud as well. That's that's about to be built up because you know they had the first match was the hellacious brawl, that was Moxley's match, and then you know now Kenny is gonna Kenny wants the straight wrestling match, so we're gonna see if if Moxley can meet him in in that uh, regard, and then of course, and, and I'm sure then that'll mean that Kenny will will win his own style of match to even up the series. So it, everything everything shakes down, everything makes sense. Um, Eddie Kingston was tremendous, though. I mean, uh, for a thrown-together feud, what felt like a thrown-together feud, you know, he did a, a fantastic job, uh, which is interesting because, you know, he was in NWA, uh, NWA Power before then, and it, he was definitely not portrayed at a level that was anything close to that sort of thing. Like, you know, he was basically a manager, right? Like, you know, he was a mouthpiece for various people and you know it was i i'm i didn't have a lot of experience seeing eddie kingston before that you know, on the indies and that kind of thing so it was it was kind of neat to see him in AEW, really like kind of branching out and learning all the stuff about him and what a great talent that he really was i mean you know we knew he could talk but he can work as well um i, I do wish they had spent more time building up aspects of his character uh, especially in the ring like like uh, for example, they didn't spend a lot of time building up that the spinning back fist was his finisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he didn't he didn't get a lot of wins over top level guys, so he could figure out what his big moves were and you know how he traditionally won matches and that sort of thing. So that was that was kind of a problem. Uh, honestly, I, if they were going in this direction for the pay per view, I wouldn't have done that thrown together match uh, when when Mance Archer had COVID. Uh, I would have gone a different way with it, like let you know Moxley fight Butcher or Blade or something like that again, or you know. Pent- Penta or Phoenix or something, something like that, and then and then have it build up to, to Eddie Kingston getting the shot. Then, but uh, but yeah, I mean, like the the promo that they did uh, together on Dynamite before the pay per view was like an all timer. Like that was just absolutely fantastic stuff on both of their parts. You know, like breaking the promise to your mother and all all that stuff. Like just oh, oh that's that's some good wrestling, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I completely. I mean, I think that's with with building up Kingston. I think that was one of the things. I don't know if it was because, like you said, it was uh, a thrown together type thing. But the only the only win I really remember him getting on Dynamite was over Matt Seidel, and I think he you know choked him out and forced him to to give up just because of the you know trying to build into the I Quit stipulation. But it would have been I think m- most of his other wins probably occurred on AEW Dark or uh, you know and he's been more of a mouthpiece for the the family that he has going there. But uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully they continue to feature him on on Dynamite some more. I think he's you know someone that people can really uh, get behind. And uh, you know, and I and I know with Moxley and, and heading into Moxley and Omega soon or in the next few months, again, people have different varying opinions on the uh, AEW ranking system and how they how they figure that stuff out. <laughs> um, I know yeah. somebody pointed out that like no one in the top five was actually in the World Title Eliminator tournament at one point, <laughs> something along those lines. But yeah, um, I know. And I mean, hey, they, they, I mean, they called it out in Dynamite too, right? When when Ricky Starks came out and said, "Hey, you know, I've I've won all these matches and I'm not even ranked in in the top ten. and you know, he's got a point. Ricky Starks is awesome. He should be, he should be a featured player on there. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's something maybe they can try to work on a little bit more. But I think the thing that I think at least at least the fact that they keep the records makes me like the fact that Moxley. I think they said he's like twenty and zero or twenty one and zero or whatever he is now. Like this year. Um, at least, like you know, right? Like he's not been defeated in AEW the entire year, or and definitely since he's been the champion. Um, you know, to me, it makes it more impactful when someone like Omega will eventually beat him, um, as right. opposed to maybe what you see on, 
not necessarily as much anymore with with uh, Raw and SmackDown, but previously stuff we've seen, right, where like a champion was like Seth Rollins or something like that, and he was constantly doing jobs, you know. And it's like, all right, well, I just saw the champion get beat like four times, so you know what what's the oh yeah, I mean, there? yeah, I mean, and and like you know, not not to slag you know the the work of uh, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso at all because it's been an awesome program, but like that that's that's how they determine contenders is you know, they have Jey Uso come back from injury and win a random four person you know, schmoz match and then get a title shot. It's like, well, why should I give a shit if Roman Reigns beats him then, you know, like build him up as a contender first, then it'll be more meaningful when, when we go to a hell in a cell match where they're, they're fighting for the title, you know? So like, that's, that was a major, major problem that I had there. And it's, it's a thing that they do often where, you know, it's uh, NXT has been really bad for it as well recently. Yeah. You know, they, they, where they don't have any kind of meaningful ranking system. And it's just like, well, we're going to have these multi-man matches to build up to another multi-man match where the winner gets a title shot at a guy in a you know multi-man liner match and and blah 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 and it's just a never-ending rabbit hole of, uh, of just you know booking in circles basically. Yep, and they all involve Dexter Loomis, right? So that's they all involve Dexter Loomis, yes. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, so that's and full Tim- gear. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, Timothy Thatcher manages to lose in every one, too. For some <laughs> yeah, that poor guy in Cameron Grimes. Oh, gosh, we can go yeah. on and on. Uh, um, but, yeah, so that was Full Gear. Um, I thought, you know, great show overall, I, I think, right? I had to you know, recommend it, I think, for everybody. And um, one thing, other thing I wanted to ask you outside of, of Full Gear specifically is, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know what to make of any of this, but this is, you know, Tony Khan and his tweets, um, you know, coming out today and saying that the balance of power and wrestling will shift tonight on Dynamite and the surprises ahead. It, do you think that's anything to that, or is it just kind of him trying to get people to tune into the show? Or you know, do, you, do you think they have some surprises up their sleeve or things that may happen tonight? I know there was talk about Sting maybe showing up at a pay-per-view. I don't know what they're thinking, but do you think there's any any, any grounds for this, or is he just trying to pull in viewers? Um, I mean, Sting's available. I mean, he's... And and God knows that you know they worship at the feet of uh, Jim Crocker Promotions in AEW. So, I mean, hey, who doesn't, right? So yeah. I mean, and, and you know they would treat Sting better than WWE did. But I mean, I don't I don't know what they would do with him exactly. But uh, hey, I'd be down for it. Uh, yeah, they can they can bring him in again. Um, you know, the the long the constant rumor has always been CM Punk, but I don't know if he has much to offer to the wrestling business at this point now. But I mean, he has certainly burned his bridges with WWE on Twitter. Uh, by going after Linda McMahon, right? But uh, yeah, <laughs> hey, no, but I mean, you know, I, I, you know, good, good on them. Uh, you know, if if nothing else, make Vince McMahon nervous. So that's always a, that's always a good thing. And uh, you know, they need a better main event than Penta L Zero versus uh, Phoenix, I think, to draw in viewers. So maybe they got something big planned. But yeah, no, I'd I'd be down with Sting absolutely. I, I, I like I think I think especially like somebody like Cody would know exactly how he would want to use Sting, and he would you know pay him very much respect on the show. And it, it definitely wouldn't be a thing where they let him get in there and take a buckle bomb from somebody. No, yeah, yeah, no, I think for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you know, just when they, I think the, when they had the pay-per-view last year that I think it was all out where Jericho, you know, won the title from against page, right. The inaugural title. And they had Bret Hart come out. Like I, I had no idea. I don't know if anybody knew that was going to happen. Um, and that was pretty cool. Uh, I think just to see Bret, in another promotion and you know he can he pretty much does and says whatever he wants to so i you know i don't know it'd it'd be interesting to see what they do um you know this evening 
and going forward. But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, Scott, we thanks so much again for taking the time to review this show with us. It's it's always a great honor for us to have you on. Uh, blogofdoom.com is where we can find all of your your rants and other other things that you guys that you post on there. Uh, Twitter, it's at Scott Keith, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so at, folks at RSP. Oh. at rspw faq at rspw faq all right thanks for that and, uh, yeah and i'm also writing now for uh inside the ropes magazine in the uk uh they are available to ship to the u.s but it's mostly their subscription is in, in the uk right now and that's that's been pretty awesome working with uh, finn martin and uh the people formerly of power slam magazine so great great honor there uh, a lot of great talent working there like myself justin henry uh, keith elliott greenberg is on there the uh, the james dixon is the managing editor there so some great great folks working there and it's been a lot of fun so far oh awesome yeah we'll definitely look forward to checking that out inside the ropes magazine thanks again scott for coming on with us we really really appreciate it um enjoy dynamite and all the other wrestling going on in the world today and uh hope you can yep. stay warm in the snow man <laughs> i'm doing my best thanks thanks a all lot right. for having me all right take care okay bye now.